Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, Let's Talk Recovery and Family podcast again. If you're a returning listener, glad you're there. Um, hoping you're getting something out of this. If you're new, I appreciate um, you coming on board and uh, giving me a listen. I love talking recovery and I love talking family and I love talking the in-betweeners. Um, as you guys know, or some of you guys may know, that I enjoy talking about addiction. Um, I'm an addictions counselor. I enjoy talking about family because um, I've got kids and parents and cousins and right I've got family too and some people don't like to talk about how these two tend to bleed in and out of each other Um, addiction um, it sure can impact everyone in the family Uh, and that's um, one of my favorite topics is uh, how that happens and what families can do should do some of their responses um, to their addict family member and, and, and so on. So I appreciate you coming on. And if you are returning uh, um, and you feel like you're getting something um, out of our sessions uh, in our podcast, please hit that support button. Any little or small contribution that you can make uh, helps me keep my equipment up to date. I definitely, definitely appreciate it. Now, we've gone over a whole lot of stuff in the last several podcasts, um, some terms that we've gone over, some of their definitions um, that we've gone over, um, like in our last session, uh, uppers, downers, or the upper-downer cycle, and terms related to that. Um, I actually, I think I mentioned it, there was a, a book when I was in school um, almost 15 years ago. It was actually called Uppers, Downers, and All-Arounders. Um, great information in that book. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was definitely intriguing. Definitely intriguing. One of the things I kind of want to hone in on in, on uh, in this session um, are stimulants. Stimulants, oh, they're they're just all over the place. All over the place. Um, I've found in my experience as a counselor that. Even people who are using downer-type drugs um, tend to resort to stimulants as a backup plan. Uh, It's just one of those things. Um, People use stimulants, you know, even if it is just coffee, right? I enjoy my morning coffee as much as anybody else. But um, what I'm referring to are those dangerous energy drinks. I think I made comment about those. Um, or those things you can find in the convenience store, right? The stackers or all those other kinds of things. Those things are just as dangerous. Um, and it just happens to be some of those underlying things uh, that people kind of see and don't see. Uh, I, what's that phrase, hiding out in plain sight? Um, it's kind of like... You know, people are using those, and if someone bought one package off the rack, nobody even gives it a second thought, right? If somebody sees them buying a big thing of coffee and one of those off the rack, you might give it a second glance and think, man, that guy is just needing to be up and up. But you don't know if that's the first time, the second time, third time he's done that that day, Right? Um, stimulants, sure, people use them for energy. 
and some alcoholics and addicts can tell you. I use it for energy. It's been my experience that people use that as an excuse too. I need it for energy, right? It's because they've been messed up all night long and they got to take care of the kids or the rest of the family during the day, right? And they just feel like they just don't have the energy to do it. So what do they do? Go right back into the meth use, right? But they don't see that they're so tired because they have their body so amped up, right? They get so amped up and you may stay up for days. You'll probably stay up for days in some cases, right? At least a 24 to 48 hour sort of thing. And then something comes up and you got to care for someone or something, take care of some regular living, adulting kind of things, right? Grocery shopping or whatever. And you don't have the energy. And so I've heard that. I just have to use it for energy. Well, you know, if you came off of it long enough, your body could create that, its own energy. You would get the rest you need um, and your body could rebound from it. Uh, it's a lie. It's the addicted brain lying to you, right? It's just one of those things that the addict brain will do. And I feel like this drug type is important because stimulants can come in many forms, legal and illegal, right? can come in many forms, legal and illegal. But some of the terms and stuff we've gone over um, since our last session, or through all of them actually, were stuff like uh, addiction. Addiction, what it means, primary progress. Um, it is a primary progressive chronic process with genetic, psychosocial, environmental factors influencing its development and outcome. It involves compulsion, loss of control, and continued use despite negative consequences. It is often called the biopsychosocial disorder, right? Uh, so that's sort of the definition of addiction. Uh, and then there's drug abuse. Occurs when use of a mood-altering drug interferes with a person's life, resulting in negative effects on a person's physical, psychological, social legal, emotional, occupational, or educational well-being, right? That's drug abuse. And there's a little bit of a difference. Um, you should look those up, too. When we talk about physical dependence, that's some of the diff diff difference between addiction and drug abuse. Physical dependence results from prolonged exposure to mood-altering drug. The cells in the body become accustomed that's the thing accustomed to the drug and being to and begin to adapt to the presence of that drug once this happens the body appears to be in balance only when the drug is present if you're using i use this chart i wish you could see this chart i draw a straight line across a page and i call that line balanced right? That's normal. Normal life on life's terms, that line. And then on one end to the left, I'll start up a line up and make a peak and come back down. 
But when I get to the normal line, I'll go just below it, right? And then go back up and create another peak. And that peak will fall short of the one just before it. And then as I go back down again, I'll suppress it a little bit more than, than the other one from the normal line. And the next peak will fall short of the previous one. So you can see that as you make one peak shorter and then one dip farther down, as you go across that line, you will eventually get to a point where you just come up to meet normal. You're just simply using to be or present yourself as normal. And that's a dangerous place to be. We also described primary drug effects. That means are the effects that a drug has on a person shortly after being taken, right? Those are some of the terms we talked about. We talked about tolerance, process in which the same amount of the drug begins to have less effect or when the amount of the drug needs to be increased to have the same effect as previous usage, right? We talked about the up or downer cycle occurs when individuals use both primary drug and one or more secondary drugs, frequently taking depressants and stimulants together, right? That's kind of that up or downer thing. And we talked about withdrawal symptoms. Um, withdrawal symptoms described as things that occur when individuals with physical dependence to alcohol or other drugs cut down or stop taking the drug and experience symptoms that are typically the opposite of the effect produced by the drug. And there's different levels to that. Withdrawal can be very, very tricky. Uh, it's not nice. Ask anyone who's ever tried to quit heroin or alcohol cold turkey. It's not nice at all. Um, I couldn't help but think this past Sunday when we were sitting in church and uh, the pastor at our church calls up um, these graduating kids um, uh, from the congregation and they come up on the stage and he introduces them. And, of course, everybody's, um, you know, uh, praying over them, right, hoping them and wishing them well for the next step in their life as they hopefully begin adulting soon, um, whether they have to um, venture off into the workforce or maybe they've already decided to go on to college, right? Um, and I guess it comes from having worked in this field for so long. I get to see a lot of the ugly that happens to people. I get to see firsthand the terrible, horrific things that can happen to people, um, to include their families and other relationships, right? And as I am myself praying for these kids, um, I find myself wondering if they've already started drugs or alcohol, right? Was there two or three experimental situations their senior year? Or did that happen during the summer prior? And now their senior year, it's every other weekend, um, you know, teetering just past the experimental stage of what kids do, right? And it's like right now, right now is the time 
to catch this. But in most cases, it's so subtle that there's no indication of any drug or alcohol use. And then these kids venture off into the next stage of their life, going to college. And sometimes that can be where it starts. But if these kids are serious, sometimes they're way more serious than kids should be, and that can backfire, right? They got school deadlines, class deadlines, paper exercises, deadlines, right? And then sometimes this is where they're introduced to stimulants. I think that's why, or partially why, this particular drug type um, seems to, to, to have a little more of an effect uh, on me because I know that a lot of kids go this route. It's horrible to feel or think that way, um, but it's just because of what I've seen and experienced. The next stage of these kids' lives could be, yes, college could be, of course, pretty decent job. Maybe they enter the workforce, right? But it could also be the streets. Those are the schools of hard knocks, the streets. And once they're out there, it's difficult to see, difficult to catch. Uh, and sometimes we don't know it until they are in complete dire straits, right? Anyway, that was my experience at church, at church Sunday. I feel bad for, for, for these kids. Um, and who knows, out of the 10 or 12 kids that were up there, they may all go off and be successful in their college career or in their workforce career, whatever route they may take. Um, but out of 10 kids, the likelihood of them all It's not good. Not good. Um, statistically, it's not good. I wish it could, I could say, you know, I know for sure. All those guys are going to hit the ground running. But it just not may not be the case. Parents, I hope you're hearing me. Family, I hope you're hearing me. Watch those kids as they venture off to school or off to work, right? Because those pressures, those pressures can be what instigate the whole thing. If they got one assignment due after another, after another, after another, and they're having to stay up all hours of the night studying, mm, how do you think they manage those all hours of the night? Right? So just be mindful of that. I'm not saying go and accuse your kids of acting a fool. Just be mindful, keep your eyes open, right? And be supportive. If they tried to come to you with issues, don't find a roundabout way to blow it off. Really, if it's important enough to them to bring to you, it needs to be important enough to you to at least listen and offer some sort of real insight or advice don't blow it off. I know we like to say, oh, don't pay attention to that. Don't worry about that. They're just jealous, all those parental things we say, right? Uh, but sometimes the good listening ear could be little Joey buddy down the block 
that just happens to say, you know, I got a little something, something that'll help take those worries away. Right. And family members, I'm not trying, I don't want you to panic. Don't panic. I just want to bring this to the surface for you to be aware of. Okay. And we're probably going to have to have a second part to this, <laughs> a second part to this. Cause, uh, you know, um, it's just things that come across my mind. Um, that I noticed that not everybody will notice because unless you've had experiences as, as counselors and therapists and people like that have seeing some of the darker side of people, those kinds of thoughts wouldn't come to the forefront of your mind, right? They just, it just wouldn't. Um, anyway, just be, just be mindful, be cautious, right? Because stimulants are just not good. Stimulants, if they're drugs of are drugs of abuse called psychoactive or mood altering, because they can change a person's mood or feelings. Stimulants, depressants, and psycho psychedelic drugs each have different effects on the central nervous system. Thus, different effects on emotions, thinking, and behavior. Six common stimulant drugs are cocaine. We've talked about that. Amphetamines, right? We've talked about that. Not always methamphetamine. Um, some people can kind of bleed those types of things together. And amphetamine would be like um, your ADHD medications. If you're not someone who has uh, been diagnosed with ADHD or ADD, something that would... Um, require you to have the need for those types of medications, don't take them. Because what happens is people who have those ADHD or ADD take those um, amphetamines and it has an opposite effect on them. It's calming. Um, so if you haven't been diagnosed with it, right, don't take them. If you have been diagnosed with it, you know, uh, take them. Parents, if your kids are young, really, really consider it. I know there's a group of parents out there who say, my kids aren't taking that stuff. Well, I learned real quick from my youngest son um, when he was describing to my wife in a school bus on a field trip that, hey, mom, you hear all these kids talking so loud? So that's what it sounds like in my head. So if you can imagine your kid having 150 thoughts fleeting through his brain, and, you know, they have poor income, impulse control anyway, fleeting through the brain, he happens to hear one the loudest and acts out on it, right? Out of all the thoughts going through his head, one says, slaps the guy next to you and pop. Then he slaps the guy next to him and he's on to the next thought. Meanwhile, he's getting in trouble for popping the kid next to him, right? So really, really weigh that out. It's tormenting to kids um, if they can't get that maintained. Um, so another nugget. Uh, I guess take it or leave it, right? Um, uh, six common stimulant drugs like cocaine, amphetamines, amphetamine-related prescriptions like I just talked about, right, or over-the-counter stimulant pills like those caffeine pills or, uh, or nicotine. Nicotine can be a stimulant for some, for some people, right? Um, it's just on that list. It's on that list. Whether it's a no-no, I don't know. Um, just something for you to consider. I know kids um, 
kids in school, they sometimes they start smoking early in life too. Um, and I guess that's neither here nor there, but just be mindful of that. I'm not saying to get super scared of that. If that's all they do, you're lucky. You're a lucky parent, right? Uh, stimulants energize the nervous system by making the nervous the nerves act more quickly than normal to get some of the jitteriness. Um, as these nerves speed up, they speed up a person's actions, senses, and thoughts. Stimulants have different effects on different at different doses, and some stimulants will produce a more powerful effect than others. I know you've seen some of those weird tweakers in Walmart um, late at night or out on the street. Um, I had a friend one time, he would take his, uh, he had two fish and tackle boxes, right? And each of the one of those little squares had different weights, different hooks, uh, different little fishing um, tackle type items in them. Um, and he would spend a couple of hours, if not more, right? clearing those out and putting them together in a certain order. I don't know what his order was. I don't know if all the weights weighed the same and put all the sizes together or, and all the hooks for the same size. He put all those, all those together and he threw it all back in both tackles and start all over again. So um, that's where you get some of that kind of thing. Stimulants have different effects at different doses and some stimulants will produce a more powerful effect um, than others. At low doses, stimulants make people more alert and keep them awake. For example, a cup of coffee, right? A line of coke, cocaine, A line. Or uh, a tablet of no-dose. People know what that is, no-dose, um, if you're trying to stay awake. Um, will generally wake people up if they are sleepy. They may feel somewhat happier and excited. That's because some of the juices, body flowing, gets going. Heart rate goes up. Blood pressure's up a little bit, pumping some fresh blood through everything, right? It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors, right? Stimulants can make people feel awake, alert, excited, maybe energized, right? Sometimes tense or agitated, right? Sometimes violent and paranoid. Those are the kinds of things that um, you can get from stimulants. Um, so be mindful of that. At somewhat higher doses, stimulants have a stronger effect on the mind and body. At these doses, the heart beats faster and the muscles are energized. People may feel elated and have more energy as well as become nervous or anxious there comes some of the paranoia right that happens tends to happen i guess more with the methamphetamine and marijuana use um those two things i've seen tend to make people uh more nervous anxious and paranoid at very high doses and with continued use stimulants will cause people to become very tense and agitated extremely nervous and on edge there go the paranoia they may become violent and feel suspicious or even paranoid as i just said at these higher doses thoughts race too fast speech becomes fast and confusing 
and behavior becomes nervous and strange. At very high doses, right, overdose mm, can result. Death can result if you're not careful. At any dose, stimulants decrease a person's appetite and ability to sleep. Appetite. Mm, and we're talking about diet pills, right? Diet pills, those are no good either. I think there was a fentanyl or something like that out back in the day. I used to like those. My wife was on them for a little while. Um, and yeah, I would dabble in them a little bit um, just because of that uh, feel good, high energy um, kind of thing. But it doesn't do good for agitation and anger issues. I used to have anger issues. Um, and those two things just do not, do not go together. Right? Stimulants and anger issues. Be mindful of, uh, that's probably another thing you should be mindful of as we send these kids off to school. Not only drugs of abuse, alcohol, right? Those kinds of things. I mean, the alcohol is coming. A lot of kids will start their drinking um, in college when they're invited to their first party, um, which don't panic parents. is There's a little bit of a normalcy to that. Right, they may be underage, but um, some kids just don't let it get out of hand, and that's a good thing. But aside from being aware of these stimulants that they may get turned on to for all the homework pressures that they have, right? Because um, unfortunately, they'll get it from the school, everybody there, the teacher, right? Any other professors, they'll get it from the principal. Right? They'll get handed about their grade point average, right? especially if they're on a full-ride scholarship or even a partial scholarship. Um, they will disappear if they don't maintain a good grade point average. There's some stress. right? Or they come home. They come home, and mom and dad have um, sometimes some unrealistic expectations of what they want their kids to be or become. right? There's those stressors. Uh, pay attention, parents. Make sure that ain't you. Uh, let your kid go with the flow. Some of these kinds of stressors or what can begin or exacerbate drug and alcohol use. Because those are the only stressors they know at that age. They haven't had a good job or they've gotten fired yet. Um, and hopefully they don't ever have to experience that. So their beginning stressors come from the schools, uh, maybe their first boss if it's a small job, and at home. And at home. Right? And some of the buddies that they have to lean on, some of the girlfriends your daughters have to lean on, might not be the safest, most sober person. Uh, keep an open door policy. Keep an open door policy because sometimes those stressors can become so overwhelming, right, that they need a release. And they may not think to find the safe, positive therapist type friend. You know, one of those friends is easy to talk to. Um, sometimes they don't turn to those guys. And that's just kind of the way it is, right? Sometimes they don't think to go to the school dean or principal or somebody like that to 
describe what they're thinking and feeling, right? Because aside from those things that can go hap- start happening right out of high school, early into college, sometimes their mental health issues don't get rolling until then either. There are a lot of high schoolers out there that are already depressed. Sophomores and juniors already depressed. And they're trying to come up with a way to manage that, get through their junior or senior year, wherever they're at. And now the next step, graduation, on to college or work. Do you know if your kid's depressed? Do they have some mental health concerns? Right? Ask yourself that question, family. Um, I'm hoping what people can get out of this session today is let's try to cut this off at the pass. Let's not wait till there's two or three jail stenches, a couple of overdoses, right? Failure at the college level or first two or three jobs. Let's not wait till that. Become aware. Become aware and be that person that the kids can come talk to, or any family for that matter, any addict family member, leave a door open for them. Anyway, I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening. Um, And until next time, peace.